Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Nick Lewis about Green Day's 1995 album, Insomniac. Nick Lewis is a good friend and bandmate in my band, All Right. He also plays in the band Placeholder, which features current members of Jail Socks. So when the pandemic ends, I look forward to writing songs and jamming with Nick and hopefully, hopefully, seeing another placeholder show at some point. We both got vaxxed up, so this marks a momentous occasion of the first person-to-person episode of Spinning Out, which was wild since I've only done these over Zoom. So no better person to do that with than my good buddy Nick, a certified Green Day superfan. Had a lot of fun revisiting this album more than I initially expected. Okay, before we dive into this chat, please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you do podcasts. Okay, let's chat with Nick Lewis. Hey Nick, how's it going? I'm going. Uh, it's going pretty well. I went to work today. It's raining. Mm. Uh, yeah, just chilling, hanging out with you on the Spinning Out podcast, talking about some Green Day. Yeah, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, so this is your first podcast ever. Yeah, yeah, somewhat alone, just me like talking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you did the Odd Boys chat yeah. a few years ago. Yeah, with you. Yeah, yep. with me. For some reason, I was on that, even though I wasn't a host of that podcast. Yeah, yeah. I always wondered about that. That's yeah. that's funny, but yeah, yeah. First yeah, I think the Michaels talking. just wanted to know if I wanted to sit in on it, um, and it was a lot of fun. But you know, I guess this is. I think you had all the questions. Yeah, that's pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, there was more than once that I definitely yeah. sat in for their uh, their podcast. Uh, not that they couldn't do it. It's just, you know, sometimes you just don't want to do the work. Sorry, Mike Rice and Michael Green. I know how it is. Sometimes yeah. I don't want to do the work on my own podcast. Oh, absolutely. I don't want to do work a lot. All <laughs> the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. so this is a call for anyone that wants to have Nick on their podcast. Yeah, have do that. Pod. Nick would love to be on your podcast. But that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> we are talking about Green Day's 1995 album, Insomniac. Insomniac. So... When was the first time you heard this record, or if it's a better question, when was the first time you heard Green Day? Well, okay, I, I remember both, just uh, sort of. The uh, first time I ever heard Green Day was in the third grade. Um, I had a friend who had American Idiot, and he was always talking about the song Holiday, and he played me Holiday, and I was like, damn, that's sick. But like, I guess however fourth graders say that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, had my like aunt take me to Target and get American Idiot and uh, just go on YouTube every day after you know school and watch the Basket Case video and the American Idiot video and all their, all their live videos and stuff. Got really into them. That was about the time I started playing drums a little more seriously too. So I had um, American Idiot, I had Back in Black, and I had... Uh, 
Appetite for Destruction, and I'd play those three records, like, on drums after school. Um, I got my first drum set in the fifth grade, so, yeah, I started doing that. And the first time I ever really listened to anything Insomniac-related was Walk in Contradiction, because I saw mm-hmm. the video. Yeah. And, yeah, I was around fourth grade, so about, about the time, I never listened to the record. I probably didn't listen to the record until high school, I want to say, mm-hmm. because, uh, Honestly, because streaming didn't like yeah. hit until my sophomore year, and I never just asked my... Well, I did, but certain records, I just wasn't going to ask my mom to buy me, I guess, because mm-hmm. my mom bought all my like CDs, but you know, I, know. I never looked at it as an important one until I got way older, and now it's like my favorite Green Day record. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like... Um, I mean, I don't want to say... I'll say it's a weird record in that... I'm always surprised that it's not like the one that people seem to talk about more, but it does seem to be like gaining and that it's like everyone's secret favorite. Well, I feel like for a long time it was like Dookie, you know? Well, I I think it definitely gets overshadowed by Dookie just because it comes out so close after it. Dookie is 93, I think, and Insomniac's 95. So I th- I know they toured in 94 too, like extensively, so... I think like they were right hot off of the Dookie tour and I don't know. They just they really pumped out these songs pretty fast. Yeah. For their I believe it actually like Dookie was ninety four, which is even crazier. But really you know, I wow. think it's possible they were like playing some of the songs out before that because it feels like you know, it's I think a lot of the Dookie era and uh before that kinda like blends together for me. But still, for some reason, like, I remember getting into Dookie, but I don't, I think by the time, like, by the time Insomniac came around, I was already, along with, like, everyone else, like, they were sellouts. <laughs> like, because I'm of an age that that mattered, yeah. but now looking back and seeing, it was a year. So it was, like, <laughs> between, it was basically in, like, three months' time, I decided that Green Day was a sellout, so... It was like I could listen to Green Day or, you know, or so I like kid logic bullshit. Um, I could listen to Green Day, but I kind of had to like hide it from friends. Yeah. You know, because they weren't like cool. Yeah. And that's interesting because obviously that wouldn't have been your experience, like especially if you were getting in on like American Idiot. Yeah. And I mean, I uh, it was way after yeah. American Idiot had come out. Green Day was just a huge band. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, they were just a household name. I, I got the record in, like, 2007. So, like, a couple mm-hmm. years after. Um, but, yeah. They were just, like, I don't know. At that time or at that age, you don't really know that there's a difference. So, like mm-hmm. I said, I had the ACDC and Guns N' Roses record, and they were, like, the same. <laughs> you know, yeah, the yeah. same as Green Day. They're just a rock record that I could, like, play my drums to. So, I, I understand that, like, now, as in... I've gone to like hardcore shows and have like mm-hmm. existed in like a punk community and I like understand the idea of a sellout. But when I was like nine years old and <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to listen to bands that I could find and think were really cool looking and Green Day was definitely one of those bands. Do you think I'm going to bring us off track like this quick? Um, <laughs> do you feel like the idea of being a sellout was like as big of a thing? with you growing up i mean i guess you wouldn't have any way to judge it but maybe you can't just based on having i think some old ass friends i think it definitely was there 
but I never, I I never knew anyone to get mad at a current band for selling out. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I can't really think of any bands that did sell out. You know, because yeah. I don't know any huge bands that are current in this, you know, realm or, you know. Yeah, I don't think it like weighed as heavy on. Like my generation, but I think it was something like it was like people older than me would like tell me that a certain band was a sellout. So it was definitely like in the air. So it's like if that's the case, like, you know, people kind of, I don't know, double your age almost like probably mattered even less because I've known people that to me, it surprises me if someone is like around my age and like American Idiot is their favorite record because I'm like, how? Yeah. But knowing that you were younger, you know, like it wouldn't surprise me. You know, like I hear people saying like self-titled Blink-182 is their favorite. Yeah, those those people are weird. <laughs> but, but I'm like... <laughs> I mean, I feel that way about American Idiot fans too. Like that was my first Green Day record. I love it, but I don't listen to it very often. And I definitely wouldn't like say that that's their best or it's my favorite. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And I was like, you know, that's the record for me. You would think that I would be like, oh, that's my favorite. But no, I mean, I listened to all of them and I've heard them all. And I guess I've just identified with this one or I would probably Nimrod. This one and Nimrod, I go back and forth. And I kind of confuse which songs are which, oddly. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of different. Yeah, the the productions, mm-hmm. uh, even comparing like Dookie to Insomniac, like, what what's weird about it is like i think that the better songs are on dookie but i think the production of insomniac is like way more up my alley yeah yeah <laughs> I, I would i would agree with that then if we're in agreement i think the podcast is done but here's the thing <laughs> i don't think that like there's some sleepers on dookie i think if uh, uh okay so like have you listened? Have you been like listening to the record? This are you? How familiar are you with this record? With Insomniac? Yeah, I've listened to it a bunch, okay. um, but some of it starts honestly even to this point. I've probably listened to it like ten times or more, um, knowing that we were going to do this. But it's like, I think it's like if I heard a song, I could go, I know that song. But I, but if you were like, I wouldn't know what title it is if like armitage shank starts playing i don't i don't know the title of that song like that the only two i feel like i can do that for is 86 and panic like just like if i hear i know what song it is right off the bat but that's more so like i just can't really do that with any song yeah unless i've just heard it like thousands of times like i don't know song titles like it's (laughs) that's fair so um i've like i don't know i've lived with this record for uh quite a, a long time now and i don't know i know these songs pretty well mm-hmm. and we can get into the songwriting since you mentioned uh the comparison between it and dookie i think it it all depends on what you like see are you more prone to pop or pop structure because i feel like dookie has that and this record has that too sometimes Mm -hmm. but i feel like they're kind of it's it's an angrier record it's a darker record i think whereas there could be some songs on dookie that they could maybe cut or shave a couple seconds off of 
this record doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. I don't think any song on here has, you know, the excess and it's very uh it's very de- like devoid of that of that fat in their songwriting. I mean not And again it's it's I think it just depends on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. They were kind of upset and I guess this was a reaction to Dookie. Um a lot of their records are reactions after yeah. Dookie because they're so rich and they really struggle with being that with their punk ethos. I guess, yeah. you know, like you were saying back then, you couldn't be rich and like that kind of music and kind of, I guess, carry those values once you've yeah. made some money. Um, you know, they were they were like 23 writing this record so yeah and i mean could you you know what it's like just to have like punk being your identity and mm. you know it's kind of they didn't i think billy dropped out in 10th grade maybe 9th grade so that's like what they were doing they were living in like squats and you know they were they were living at gilman pretty much you know what i mean they were playing there and they were in that scene and they were you know, a part of the East Bay punk mafia. You ever hear about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... There's, like... There's almost, like, when I think about it, I think about, like, how I process kind of, like, pop punk when I was way younger and then kind of a way that I look at it now. Like, like I don't... The idea of someone being a sellout is seems, like, laughable at this point. Yeah. You know, like, uh, there are there are certain, like, things I think... I can't even think of examples off the top of my head, but there probably are easy examples where something like you completely see where someone like cashes in. But like whenever people, I still like, there's people that still go like Dear You by Jawbreaker is like their sellout record. But I'm like, it's a great record. Like, I don't give a shit like what it was. Like, yeah. you know, like, so I think it's like a, it's like a silly dividing line. I think Green Day has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Also, just yeah. because they were in the same like scene. And I think with Dear You, it came out so close to Dookie that, you know, their scene was just like, no, like not again. Like we're not having, they don't, it doesn't matter how good Dear You is. They just weren't trying to hear another one of their bands, you know, sell out yeah. and have a good record that, you know, basically I think they just had records that sounded good. And maybe that was, like, a big no-no. Yeah, it's weird because, though, if you... And I don't I don't know how you feel about, like, no effects. Uh, I don't like no effects. But, <laughs> but that's, like... They got a couple songs. When I was growing up, it was kind of, like... I think I didn't... I didn't have time for Green Day, almost honestly, because I spent so much time liking no effects. And, like, mm-hmm. that's an easy thing, I think, for people... It's kind of a la- it's kind of a joke now because of just like how Fat Mike is. Yeah. But it's also like I don't know if Fat Mike's any more embarrassing than Billy Joe in certain respects. You know. I think he is. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight with you on it be, because <laughs> now I think I'm just completely wrong because yeah. like, Fat Mike is a goon. Yeah. But it's not that any of these people in the pop punk world haven't done like really cringy things like the last green day Absolutely. record had a fucking unicorn on it yeah well like, yeah that's like, like so it's like let he without least. sin yeah <laughs> like there's no but no effects was kind of like just where i spent like so much of my time growing up and but it's weird like sonically it also seems kind of silly where i'm like 
if people are just going off of things sonically, like no effects isn't any less of a sellout than Green Day if you're just thinking about it musically. Yeah, yeah, but I think Green Day opened the door for no effects. Yeah, in certain respects. I mean, I think in like a mainstream respect, but no effects yeah. was definitely like around a lot longer. Well, they were around first. Yeah. Yeah, but like it's just I don't think people really cared about them in the same regard. Like Green Yes, Green Day opened the door in terms of like they got signed to a big label and then the things that sounded the kind of East Bay sound, mm-hmm. you know, those bands were kind of I guess you could it's like a parallel to like grunge, you know, it's like yeah, let's say if Nirvana opened the door and then all of these other bands that probably were around even longer were able to like come through. Yeah. You know. So I mean, it's kind of obvious like wikipedia shit but you know like i don't i think i honestly just like spent so much time listening to no effects what i'm really ultimately saying is like i don't know why i didn't spend more time with green day because i like it a lot better than i did growing up and then it was like for some reason i was like allowed to like blink 182 but green day were the sellouts and then it's sort of like parsing the difference What's the difference? Well, another, I mean, another big thing for me was my parents didn't listen to like rock music. Mm-hmm. So I just had to find my entry point through household names, like you know, yeah. the biggest bands I could find or type in. I could type in rock band on Google. Like I said, I was like you know, nine years old. Yeah. So I was just trying the best I could. I was, the internet was kind of new to me. And I guess like, I guess relatively new to the world and. I don't know. So I was just kind of like looking on YouTube and surfing around. And apart from like my friends knowing bands and their dads mm-hmm. like liking certain bands, like that was my only way. Oh, and Guitar guitar Hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like that was how I found bands. And Green Day was just one of those bands that I found that I thought were really cool. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So that's why I just like cling on to them. Whereas like. I understand if you were like in that era, I guess, because even today, I mean, I guess you, there could be a guy who's like an Offspring guy, and there's like a Green Day guy, and maybe yeah. like you said, you're a, a No Effects guy. It's just or a Blink guy, you know. It's yeah. just one of those things. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like I'm more of a Blink guy, but yeah, most of my friends are. I don't yeah. know too many Green Day heads. Yeah, I, and I think like going back to, I guess, I think like, well. John that was on the podcast, he like kind of said it to me. He's like, I think you're more of a pop person. Yeah. Like I'm more drawn to, so I, that's probably why I'm usually more drawn to Dookie, but I always sit there when I'm listening to Dookie now that I've spent so much time with Insomniac, I'm like, I wish Dookie just had Insomniac's recording because <laughs> the production of it's like. It's great. It's my favorite. It's pulled out. It's their best punk sound, I think. Um, and you know, contrary to what people believe, I don't really consider Green Day a pop punk band. I think um, that's the the difference between them and say like a No Effects or Offspring mm-hmm. is I I think those are pop punk bands where Green Day is a rock band to me. I uh, you know Dookie for sure can be seen as a pop punk record. It's it's got pop. It's got punk elements. It's it's bouncy, you know, it's catchy, it's got those poppy hooks. I think that's cool, but I mean, if you really listen to it, there's, 
you know, there's some cool mid-tempo stuff, and there's there's a low end and that I think pop punk really doesn't have. There's yeah. kind of like a grittiness to them, or they are. I mean, I don't know. Not to say that they're more punk than like these pop punk bands, but I feel like they were kind of more of a. Uh, they were less than a, of a front, and you know, it's kind of weird to see them get. You know, as they grow as a band, they kind of do become that. You know made up billy starts like spiking his hair a little more i don't if you look at older pictures i don't know past like 93 i don't really see him with like the crazy he may bleach his hair a couple times but i don't really see him with like pink and like you know blue liberty spikes i don't see him in the you know the weird suits Mm -hmm. same goes for mike they kind of just look like regular dudes i think up until this record honestly i think this record's where they really start leaning into the oh, we're punk, we can be punk, you know, that type of facade maybe that kind of became the blueprint for all these other, you know, bands commercially. Yeah. Not that they weren't doing it before, but when, you know, the media had their attention on this kind of music, I think that got a lot more amplified. Yeah, I mean, I guess like thinking about them that way, it's interesting because I guess like then does Dookie found seem feel like more of a rock record than this record does? Yeah, it, yeah, because yeah. it's a little longer. Um, I think on this record they were trying to prove that they can still be ferocious with their uh, major label like backing and. They 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 kind of did that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the song uh, when you get to like the first uh, single on this was a uh, geek geek sync Br- uh, breath and uh, I don't know if you ever seen the video for that but <laughs> it's their friend it's it's about um, being addicted to meth and their friend was like a meth head and he was getting all of his teeth pulled out so mm-hmm. they filmed him in the you know in the chair. Real Dennis, just like the operation of him just like removing all of his meth teeth. And that's the video. And MTV was just like, nah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's cool though. And um, I think on the 94 VMAs, they were supposed to play Basket Case, but they play Armitage Shanks. I do remember that, yeah. 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 Yeah, I guess... What I'm thinking thinking of is, uh, though this record, I do I do agree that this record does feel more concise than Dookie. I found it hard. I like doing a thing where I just try and think about records from this era, um, like what song could be cut, mm-hmm. and it was tough for me because I don't feel like they like waste any time. But if yeah. you were, do you think you could cut a song off of this? Uh, hmm. If I okay, well, I have a little bit of a biased opinion because there's some songs that I've heard just so much in my yeah. life that I don't really want to hear anymore. Like I skip "Brain Stew" and "Jaded." Uh, I skip "Panic," but oh, other than that, I, I listen to every song on here when I when I listen to it. I it's just one of those records for me where like a. Uh, it, it has that charm of like a like a um, 
like a Milo goes to college where, mm-hmm. where you put it on, you kind of listen to the whole record yeah, because it's not that long anyway. And the songs are just, I think they're so on it on all of these songs. Um, in particular, just, you know, songs like Stu- uh, Stuart and the Ave and like Tightwad Hill. I like uh, Billy's ability to paint pictures with his songs and mm-hmm. he can kind of really bring you into these like places, I guess, whether it be, um, where the band lives or, you know, something that happened to the band or maybe himself. Um, it's hard to tell when they're a first person sometimes, but, uh, yeah, it's cool to like hear these experiences and kind of him bring you into where they're from on this record. Whereas I think he, he does do that on Dookie, but, um, there it's, it's a little more in your face on this one. Like, um, he's not really, I mean, I guess he's like, they don't really talk about like, I don't know, Tightwad Hill. They talk about like turning tricks for drugs. They mm-hmm. don't really, you know, touch that on yeah. Dookie. They kind of more, it's geared towards the teenager where I think is like, you know, Welcome to Paradise. He kind of has like verse one. It's like, you know, three weeks at home. And then the second verse, it's like six months. I think this record is like the six months. Mm-hmm. where they're out and he's like feral yeah yeah it's like way more of a feral record and that's why i think i i like it a lot more um i think it comes across in their playing as well i think every player is just they're playing really good on dookie um you know it's their like moment they've been playing these songs forever they're playing really well mm-hmm. um but i think on this one it's just like you know they've toured yeah like maniacs They've already had, like, the success. They know what they're doing. You know, they're kind of, like, they're just being Green Day. I think this is the record where they really just do what they do really well. And I think you can pick almost any song on this record, and you could be like, this is a definitive Green Day song. You know, I think Mm -hmm. it really defines a sound for them. Yeah, it also feels, like, more guitar forward than uh, Dookie does. Like, a lot of... Dookie kind of feels like they're kind of like filling in the holes, which is like, I could, it's a hard thing for me because I do like the idea. It's probably just because I'm a bass player. Like I like the idea of like guitar not taking up like all of the space, you know? So there's a lot of cool space in Dookie, but it also just like as a guitar, I guess going back to calling this a rock record, like, but that's weird. It's like, guitar guitar like it's more guitar heavy i guess it's just you know than dookie is i yeah i would say there's a there's a lot less you know on there on dookie there's like leads and solos i don't really think there's any leads on this record i think it's just straight up him power chords mike's holding it down on bass for sure um there's some crazy bass lines on this record i think uh, the bass kind of like he's kind of doing a lot of the grunt work and not to say he does it on Dookie. I mean, he's got long view. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's really where he shines on it. Whereas, um, like I said, uh, Gigs Stink Breath, <clears throat> Killing It at the End, there's like a crazy little lockdown that he does. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Stuart and the Ave, where uh, I'm just like bigging up these songs. But Stuart and the Ave, it's just, it is the bass. You know, mm-hmm. that's like the whole song pretty much. The, uh, the lead that like gets stuck in your head is the bass line. The do 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 do. Yeah. And 
uh, that's the song to me. So Mike really does hold it down. I mean, Trey does too with, you know, a panic song. There's a ton of crazy fills. Whereas like I read a story about how on basket case, there's a whole other version where he's just going insane the whole time. But, uh, Rob Cavallo, I guess, told him that it wouldn't make radio when you've got like a drum solo behind yeah. the song. So the, uh, and it's crazy to think, cause that song's still pretty fill heavy. So the fact that that's a toned down version is, you know, kind of funny. And on this record, I don't think they really have, they don't have any radio hits besides Brain Stew. No, that's what's, that's right? what's weird about it. I mean, I feel like I remember 86 a lot, but I don't know. It's just kind of a hookier song. So it's kind of, I, I think really between Brain Stew and Walking Contradiction, like if yeah. I were just were to point those are the ones that stick out to me yeah even before i really revisited this a bunch yeah absolutely and uh i saw 86 is the second song i ever heard on this record before i knew it was kind of a record i found the um the letterman performance i don't know if you've Mm. ever seen that but um loved it and i loved the song 86 for a long time like years before i even heard insomniac because i never had access to the record um or never really wanted to do the work to like, you know, download it and what have you. But yeah, I think it's great. And um, it's the same. I don't know what's so different about it. Maybe they had more. I mean, I guess they did have more money on Insomniac than Dookie, but it's the same team. It's Rob Cavallo and Jerry Finn. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob Cavallo did the Dare You record. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, I, I think that's, I was like looking at the name, I didn't even write that down as a note, but I was like, why does that name sound familiar? Because I was, I was like, yeah. I was like, I feel like I remember documentary, but it's just like remembering him on specifically the Jawbreaker documentary mm-hmm. about that. But I did see that he produced uh, like Goo Goo Dolls and uh, My Chemical Romance Black Parade. And Paramore. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's... He... But he also did, he did, uh, well, Dookie, Nimrod, and American Idiot. He did pretty much everything um, up until Century, from Dookie to 21st Century Breakdown. I think they went back to him for the uh, Uno Dos Tres. Mm. Uno Dos Tres. Tres, yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, yeah, I I think he's done everything besides the uh, 21st Century Breakdown record after Dookie. Okay, so... I could be wrong. What, I don't know about the point, last few records. Do you have a point where you're kind of like, nah, on Green Day? Or do you ride with them up until the present? Because <sighs> sometimes I feel like like fandom can just lead people. Like, you're you're going to be on the trip the whole time. Like like in a previous episode, how, uh, how Maddie is just all on board with Weezer all through. Yeah. In a way, even though... Uh, it's almost like respect to it, even though I know I didn't talk that way on it, where it's just like, you're on board. Are you, do you feel that way about Green Day? Well, okay. Well, I've, uh, I've, I've grown up with them. So I've seen everything, everything from American Idiot on, I've seen their rollouts. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have, I have mixed feelings about their records. Um, I'll always listen to a Green Day record. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to... I'm definitely not going to like the whole thing. I'll find things about it that I like. Um, I always try to with bands that I love. And 
I understand at this point that like they're not going to make anything that's like great mm-hmm. or revolutionary to me. Um, and that's cool. I yeah. just understand that they're rich guys wanting to make music. I'm glad they love each other enough to still be in a band after all these years. Because if you look at bands like, I don't know, like Blink-182 should just break up, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. You know, but they're all together. You know, Green Day's, they've got a good relationship, it seems. They're making records and they're touring, or they were touring when you could. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just... They're like my dads, you know? So it's just like I, any record, I guess you could say I'm on board with it, but I could recognize that it won't be good. Yeah. Um, and I drop out. The first time they ever disappointed me, like, I was like, dude, fuck Green Day. Like, what the fuck? Was on that Uno Dos Trey, uh, you know, that whole thing. Because they put out that uh, song, Kill the DJ. Oh, and that's yeah. when I heard, I heard that single and I was kind of just like, what are they doing? <laughs> so i i don't know i'm trying to think <laughs> about when the point that i dropped out like totally and i'm trying to i guess it was i mean probably honestly after nimrod um mm. i was kind of done but i i really don't like american idiot like i just don't unless it's like the who or something like i don't really want to hear rock operas yeah. i don't know there's probably that's probably a lie but i don't want to hear green day like to the wall yeah i guess i do yeah. but, <laughs> but but in a sense like yeah. it was what about holy Di- is holy diver you could almost say any dio record is, yeah but it's, i, but I it's feel not, like it i don't is. think it is but it's sort of like he has that that way of being yeah, that's going to probably be a complete lie that I'm not in on any rock <laughs> operas. But uh, I just think it's I just think it's like a really cheesy record. And um, How old were you when it came out? <clears throat> um, I'm not being vague. I really don't remember the age. Yeah. Uh, but I was... I can't recall when it came out. So It came out in 2005, I think. 2005 or 2004. Mm, I don't know, college? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not... Yeah, I think if I were in college, like I wouldn't... Yeah, I don't think yeah. I would be into a theatrical rock record, no. but I was, you know, I was nine, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, like, cool to watch in the uh, bullet in the Bible. Yeah. That type of stuff was cool, you know? It's just so, like, theatrical. Um, same way I liked Kiss around the same... Like, these bands were yeah. all the same to me. Yeah. Like, even when, you know talk punk i would say green day was a punk band because it looked you know like it was a guy with a guitar i didn't understand what different genres meant you know so um yeah 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 i mean i think that i also try and keep that in mind like when i'm like talking about stuff and i probably brought this up on the podcast before it's it's almost like a recontextualizing of like how i've thought about things and try and think about them from like different point of views maybe more than i did as a kid and then usually i come to a conclusion like that's fine you know yeah. <laughs> like i understand like if so yeah if i was 10 years old like at 10 years old like exact same thing like i would buy a judas priest album i would buy like whatever kind of yeah. like punk you know and then like but also i yeah i thought kiss destroyer was awesome like there wasn't really any like 
crazy yeah. big differentiation. You know, like I knew what genre stuff, but it's just basically if it hit me right, it was just like ACDC is cool. Like yeah. I, I didn't know any more than that. And it's, I think it's interesting our, with our age difference, like really how the experience was the same. Yeah. Like, and it's through different channels, but I was just like, this sounds cool to me. So I'm just going to listen to it. Like, and I, and I totally understand from, you know, playing basement shows or just like being around people who like go to these type of close knit, um, gatherings, you know, and like, I understand it's weird. It'd be weird if I saw a guy that I played a basement with get signed to Atlantic or they got signed to a reprise or reprise. And it'd be weird to see that. And then you see him up on a giant like billboard and he's got like, uh, like spiked green hair and, you know, like a dog collar. And it's like, he didn't wear that before. (laughs) You know, he's all made up and he's on like, you know, Apple commercials. It'd be weird. It'd be really strange to see. And I wouldn't be all in on the record they put out. So I understand that mindset too. Um, yeah, but it was just marketed to me at the time. You yeah, know, when, that... you're like, <laughs> when you're like nine years old, there's no difference. But I guess yeah. like when you hit like twenty, you know, it's like you kind of parse it. But then when you get even older than that, I feel like it's like I have the distance that I can kind of view both. Where it's like I just understand that it's like I get the game. Yeah, and so if people cared enough about my bands, I would have a spike collar on and you know i, I would do <laughs> yeah. all of the tricks yeah and just be like you know what's up like yeah. you know what the fuck like like it's just like i get it you know it's like it's yeah. like a yeah i feel like if i knew billy joe enough like it would just i would just wink at him you know like i get it man yeah like i'm not mad about it like yeah. it's like when people I would too. get your bag like it's yeah just that like yeah. it's just like <laughs> if they want to keep making records and they're just like millionaires they got to keep going on tour. It's just like it's they're trying to keep this their corporation going. It's like yeah. when Rolling Stones people are like, oh, what are they? they should just fucking stop. And I'm like, I don't know. They get paid. Like, who cares? Yeah. You know, they're just going to die up there. Like, who? I mean, I guess same with know? the Dinosaur Jr. record. Like, yeah. they're just making records. It's cool. Like, their classic records are are what they are. You can always go back and listen to them, but this is what yeah. they're doing now. They're just it's, going to work. Yeah. You know, for better and or for worse. Same. I felt that way about that. Uh, father of all i don't know if it's father of all motherfuckers or father oh, yes, of yes, all because yes. they all like i've only seen father that, of all that's where people test my patience <laughs> that's that's a little bit where it's like it's like where it's like dude i want to wink and nod at you at just some point but you're like you're you're really fucking yeah. like it's just like if rolling stones want to put out like a blues album it's like okay grandpa that's totally yeah fun. you know it's like uh, it's like, I mean, like Dinosaur Jr., like they're doing way more like, nothing's really cringy about it. They're just being yeah. Dinosaur Jr., but like Green Day has so many different hats they could put on I instead know, of putting it, the... It goes back to that, I think they're just insecure at the end of the day. It's like, so strange. Yeah, it is, but they are. They Even with this last record, they were like, oh, we're crazy. We're a rock band, mm. you know, because they, uh, with... Revolution Radio, and I hope I'm not getting this wrong. They had that uh, that song that kind of sounded like One Republic, still breathing. Wow. You know, it's kind of yeah, like that I was think the I most. That. Yeah. 
there's been two times in my life where I've heard Green Day on the radio and couldn't tell it was them. Mm. It was that song and 21 Guns. So mm. I feel like when they do stuff like that, they're kind of just like, we got to show our fans that we're still crazy. You know, like, you know, we're still rockers and whatever. That, I mean, that's the same thing that I feel like Weezer is doing. Like, it's just yeah. like they're like have to remind people of that era. And it, it's got to be like a hard balance. So, you know, I, I keep kind of contradicting myself because it's like it's got to be a hard balance. You do want to stay relevant. Yeah. But that record straight up has a unicorn and like a line of coke on it. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like at some point, I wish that any of these bands would just like give their art to someone. Like almost like just employ like a 25 year old dude that will do your art like it's like yeah it's but i guess it's like you don't know who to trust probably at that point but it's also weird like as insecure as they might be i wish blink 182 had a little bit more insecurity like absolutely yeah it's like can they switch yeah you know like because it's like i don't know what they're doing at this point yeah i don't think they do yeah and it's like i don't know and even with green day like they still play gilman they still like they still try to do small shows to prove that they're still, you know, punk. Yeah. So but in a way, it's like, it's like I wish Blink-182 yeah. would be try and prove that they need to be more punk. Yeah. And Green Day would sort of like care about it a little less. You don't think Travis Barker uh, producing pop punk records with Trippy Red and uh, MGK is uh, returning to his punk roots? No. And like... <laughs> Just like a little bit of self awareness, because like, because it's like I think like, they're self aware in the you know in the respect that they're rich and they don't give a fuck. Well, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's such a hard line because it's like, do you want do you want a blink do you want Blink One Eighty Two's Insomniac version? Yeah. Or I mean, at this point, they would be way past that. It's like even yeah. if we got an American idiot out of them, you know, of that thing, it's like. Wow, you know, I've never thought about that, and you're right. They've never had a, a reactionary record. Yeah, I don't think so. No, they've always just kind of gone in the but more But maybe popular... they never, since they were like a tiny bit, it, their their trajectory was like probably like two years behind or in front. You know, it's like, so like if this is 95, yeah. then I guess like what is like take off your pants and jacket or Enema State's like 97, I think. Animal right. State is ninety nine. Even more so, they had probably yeah. they've never really two, had no ninety nine. So then they've never really had people didn't give a shit about that kind of stuff. But then maybe. yeah, I mean Green, uh, sorry, Blink's first record um, it's ninety five. I think Cheshire Cat. So they were like post so, people being a sellout. Like, yeah, like they there's like a picture of Mark with a Green Day shirt on. Yeah. So yeah. I, so I it's guess. like Jawbreaker got like destroyed for it. Yeah. Green Day kind of got a, you know a little scolded for it, and then Blink One Eighty Two was just like yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. We don't care anymore. You know. And you know it's weird to think that Jawbreaker didn't get scolded for it way earlier because they, I feel like they toured with Nirvana before Dookie. And it's like, you can't tour with Nirvana. They're like, that was like, what was it, 90, 94? Maybe yeah. 93 that tour? I mean, that might that, have been. It's the biggest Nirvana ever was, yeah. probably. So, like, how are you playing arenas and still cool to play at Gilman just because you didn't sign to a yeah, major label? That doesn't make like, any sense. That's where it's also <laughs> bullshit. Like, it's just like, 
don't be corny on one end or the other. Like, it's like the whole, like on one one side, I mean, I feel like you're about to say something, so yeah. I'll, I'll go on my rant, but what were you saying? Well, I was going to say, also, I guess Jawbreaker said they never would. Okay, yes, I yes. So that it's, could it's play into thing. it, too. And one thing I'm remembering <laughs> now, uh, I don't know where this will take us in the conversation, Against Me did the same thing. They yeah. said they weren't going to sign to a major label, and then they did. What so, year, though? When this did... was way later. So it was okay. probably like 2004, five, maybe even later than that. Yeah. Uh, in the 2000s. Yeah. Past the point that I would think anybody would give a shit about that. But I think because they were so outspoken of it. So what I'm telling if anyone, anyone that listens to this, if you're in a band that's about to get signed, just don't say shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't say you'll never do that. I think Billy Joe said that in that <laughs> Jawbreaker document. Because, you know, now that you mentioned that, I don't think they ever really made a huge deal about it. Yeah. I think it was kind of just like, we're here now, and this is what we're doing. Yeah. Buy our record. And, that, and I guess that was kind of it. Well, so. And I wonder then, okay, if we're thinking about Insomniac, like, okay, so Dookie sold, what, like 10 million copies or something? Like, it was like crazy i'm not i'm not sure of but i believe with like looking at that makes sense so this was so i guess mainly what i know about this is like like insomniac was two times platinum which Mm, i I don't even know what that that means platinum's a million i think okay okay then that 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 tracks so then i believe dookie sold 10 million copies while insomniac sold two wow so in a year's difference so they it's weird it's like it's like they went into the project knowing that it wasn't going to be as big of a record or they wanted to make their punk record so you what you should ultimately be telling yourself is like that it's not going to be as big of a record because you're not catering to a mainstream yeah i don't i don't think they even had that in mind though but then in hindsight i wonder if they feel like this album is a failure comparatively you know, it's that's interesting. I tried to look for, I guess, interviews in retrospect with them, and there's not really much on them speaking on this record that I found. Uh, they put out that 25th anniversary like pressing of this record not too long ago, maybe like a month ago or so. Um, yeah, I don't know. They don't. Re- it's not a record that's really celebrated at all. I th- and, and I, then I think in a weird way that it almost like answers the question. Because, like, it almost feels like for as big of a band as Green Day is, they might as well be, like, U2 at this point, or U2 and older people. You know, like, but... It even gets the shaft compared to Nimrod, I think. I think way more people talk about Nimrod than Insomniac. But Nimrod is a way more commercial record. Yeah. Like, without a doubt. Like, it straight up, even just the way it's produced, like, it's not as dense sounding but it also is like when i look at the tracks of nimrod i feel like i can start thinking of so many more of the songs yeah but but nimrod is so long i feel like sometimes a lot of those songs are on here like there are a couple songs like uh like take back and um what's the one uh platypus i hate you they mm. said those songs sound like insomniac songs. Yeah. The um 
They're just like the heavier ones. And I had it pulled up. I'm going to kind of go. So warning was 2000. So Nimrod was 97. So two years after Insomniac, Nimrod came out. Yeah. Um, And that was once again on Reprise Records, which is Neil Young's label, I believe. Yeah. Um, Okay. So Wait, is that also an imprint of Warner Bros.? I feel like they have a relationship. Let's look. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, it was actually, I guess it was uh, founded in 1960 by Frank Sinatra, which is kind of weird. Um, (laughs) But, okay. So looking at Nimrod, just the main point was, uh, so just looking at, it was certified double platinum. uh, So about the same. Then it was certified triple platinum in Australia. Um so I don't know, maybe like have you ever like I mean I'm sure you haven't, but if you ever seen interviews of with them around this time, these dudes are done. <laughs> like they're uh they've been called sellout, they've like been touring. Uh I think on their they did the Lollapalooza tour mm-hmm. in ninety four and they flew in to do Woodstock ninety four on that same tour just like on a day off they just like did that real quick and that was like the giant mud fight um and they kind of just like flew home or however they traveled and pretty much like you know got in a room and recorded this record so if you can think about how exhausted you must be after doing something like that Mm -hmm. i don't know and to come out with a record this good and i feel like it's some of his best like lyricism ever and the entire catalog, um, I've have I have a couple notes on that. Like, okay, there's a uh, in Armitage Shanks. He starts uh, the uh, the line I liked was I perfect the science of the idiot. Mm. You know, like it's really his self deprecation is so over the top on this record. But it definitely is more poetic, <clears throat> way more than, than Dookie. You would say like a like Henry Rollins wouldn't be able to write that line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and do you do you have like more examples of lyrics and stuff yes. that stand out to you? Um, I'm gonna shout out my friend Gordon Gordon Phillips. His favorite line because we were he's also a Green Day fan. He was mm-hmm. talking about um, losers winning big on the lottery. Mm. Super cool line. There's so many. Um, yeah, we never. I, I never really get into this part of it. So I, if you have more on that you know go, go in on yep. like the lyric stuff because i never really well, do okay. that on this yeah i had a well, i had a couple notes on um the songs like song by song i was mm-hmm. just uh um i guess just brat there i watched the interview last night where was, he was talking about how this song is about um rich kids waiting for their parents to die to get their inheritance mm-hmm. and he said that Someday he just had a kid at that point that his son would be singing that song or his kids would, which I found really funny. Um, and like the song stuck with me again is a lot of these songs are about selling out or dealing with becoming a famous person when you're like from a culture that kind of just like looks or frowns upon it. Um, stuck with. Okay, my question to you with these songs, because this is my favorite on the record, do you have songs that you feel like you've come around on? This, or I guess, revisiting it? I actually feel mm. like I liked Brain Stew more than I remembered. 
Uh, Brain Stew was the first song I ever learned on guitar, and then that's pretty much where my skill of guitar ended. That's uh, cool. But like that was instead of like learning Smoke on the Water, like it was like Brain Stew. You know, yeah. I was like, hey, can like to a guy that lived near my house, I was like, can you teach me Brain Stew? You know, but it's just, it's almost like Inner Sandman. You know, like it's it's hard to hear that song without just kind of like hearing it so much in your life. Yeah. But I liked it more than I thought, even with the idea that it's like, you know, people always say like it's the riff is definitely lifted from that Chicago song. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole lot of that we can talk about uh, if you know yeah. anything about any of that stuff. But there's I a keep lot of stolen riffs. The kind of idea like I, I just to answer your question, like it's definitely brain stew. I okay. was more surprised. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's one. I'm just I don't think I'm ever. Hap- well, okay, I'm never mad if it's on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll get through it, but I've always skipped it, yeah. I guess, for the last five or so years. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, I don't listen to this record very often. So, this week I've been listening to it, like, every day. And it's been cool because I don't really get tired of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I really like it a lot. It's just, I, I feel like this record could come out today and be huge. Do you, do you feel that way? I think there's a lot of, like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, I think this band set the template for a lot of records today. Like, uh, like Babs, Uvula, Who. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just, just even little things like that. Like, naming your song something that has nothing to do with the song. Yeah. I think bands do that all the time. Um, not so much anymore, but, you know, like emo bands and stuff. They yeah, emo bands like, and even into... Like indie bands. Yeah, and, emo bands and, like, screamo bands definitely took that to, like, its logical conclusion. Yeah. yeah. You know, and... Uh, but, yeah, the the thing I still have issue with, with Green Day, is, like, I don't know what it is about them that I'm not usually reaching for them. I'll reach for Blink-182 on a regular basis. Yeah. But I don't reach for Green Day. And, like... I don't necessarily think they're any like less of a band. I just don't. I don't really have an answer to why I'm not reaching for it more. You know that's interesting because I hear more Green Day in your bands than Blink. Yeah, I'd say it's interesting. I think mainly probably on the fact that uh, my bands are more embarrassing. So you're hearing that. <laughs> No, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Once again, I, Blink might be more embarrassing. Blink's so. way more embarrassing in my so, opinion. So, yeah, I don't so, know. That is, that is interesting, know. though. Um, I'd say in terms of, let's say... I don't really think Green Day's cringy. I don't think they start doing... They, this record's definitely not cringy. There's yeah. nothing cringy on this record. I don't, I don't think they do a cringy record until American Idiot. Maybe Warning. What's cringy on Warning? Uh... Is that the one that has Minority on it? Yeah. That song's pretty cheesy. I guess, but I mean, do you like King for a Day? Uh, on um, Nimrod? Yeah. It's the ska. Well, then, it's then like the ska that, song. Like, There's some cheesy shit on <laughs> Nimrod. But also, like... Um, I think by default, the album is so old, there will be something cheesy. There is a, this is such a dark thing. Um, when I think of uh, Time of Your Life, I just think of some like beach crust kid that you're like at his funeral and you're just like, 
I think I've been to like a Crust Kids funeral in time of your life. Is playing. Oh my! And like it's sort of like uh, that Rise Against song kind of became it. Uh, like a many years later, like Swing Life Away was like. I don't know. Any if Rise some Against. like. Growing up like in a town where, like heroin and drugs were a big thing, it's like there were a few times where it's like. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, for some reason it just makes me think of like it's just one of those songs where you're kind of looking at your whole life kind of songs. What about how do you feel about Adam's song, dude? Adam's song—that's got to be one Adam's of song. Well, my brother's name is Adam, yeah, and my brother like has like multiple DUIs and has gone to jail a few times, and it's like, yeah, just constantly like yeah. in brushes with the law. So it's like kind of thinking about that as my brother. I really can't listen to that song without tearing up. Honestly. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm fine with it being like I'm fine with something being cheesy. It's just like I want to. You got to know when it's cheesy. Like sometimes people will say like if you call something cheesy, people it it does. I guess the connotation is that's a negative thing. Yeah, you know it's like, but I like too many ballads to really criticize. Same. I mean, yeah, it's it's good riddance is their wonder wall. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, but it's. It's it's the song to get married to, or to yeah. be buried to. Yeah, yeah. It's a funeral song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, how many punk rock bands do you know that has a funeral song, a wedding song? What are, I don't know. What do they have? They got everything. They did that song on Twilight. They they can do it all. So they got it for every. They're, period they're of amazing your life. songwriters. They're a, well, you basically said 100% that, better than you basically blank. said so. Green Day is like you can track someone's birth to their death by yeah. Green Day because really that song that you were mentioning, like thinking about like a kid, his kid thinking that is like so when his son was born. So that's like the birth, you know, and then there's the wedding and then death. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> yeah well uh, you know that's kind of far out but uh but yeah i i guess i mean he's a very deep guy um but i mean i i got a couple yeah i guess cool uh, my notes are really i didn't do i wanted to like talk about some cool all right let me backtrack these songs are cool in another respect because they have cool stories behind mm-hmm. them like um like I mentioned, Brat and him, you know, talking about his future son probably hating him and wanting his uh, inheritance. But you got like songs like "Stuck with Me." "Stuck with Me." Um, they have a compilation they put out in two thousand two called "Shenanigans," and there's a song called "Do Da Da" on it. That's um, the real "Stuck with Me," and the chorus he says "Stuck with Me" like three times. Mm-hmm. But on this song, I guess uh, in the studio there was some. I don't know if it was the reels or what, but somewhere along the lines when they printed this record, um, I guess one of the engineers switched them. So uh, this song was called Stuck With Me, even though he doesn't say Stuck With Me at all. This song is originally supposed to be called All Right. Hmm. So, um, and I guess they found it fitting enough to keep it, so they never switched it back. But they found, they needed to find another song title for do da da and i guess you know being them they just were like fuck it name it do da da whatever and put it on a um compilation but it's a great b-side and uh 
to be honest with you, that I, I would switch that song out with uh, Panic. Mm. That that's you, you mentioned that a, a couple times. Yeah. Um, I feel like Panic is like one of the best songs on the record to me. Really? Yeah, just like the way it starts. Yeah, it does sound crazy. They played that on their uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance. I guess they played it the intro like to be a really fun live case. song. I think I think the thing is is like this is how I imagine that they wrote the song. It's like they wrote that second part of the song mm-hmm. and then potentially were like I don't know if the song is finished. And then so it's like they jammed on that beginning thing. But I think that yeah. makes the song. It gives it gives the you might album, be right. It gives the album more space than it does because the album I feel like is so like concise mm-hmm. comparatively to like 50 minute records of this time period um, that it gives it a little bit of space to breathe that this record doesn't really want to do. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's cool. It's different than a lot of the record. It is. Yeah. The first part of the song. Well, it, it you know, when you say it sounds unfinished, it does. Now that I think about it and I think I saw a long, it's been a while, but the uh, documentary Quattro that's about them recording those three records. Um, he mentions going into the studio without lyrics. And mm. I think it's either Insomniac or Nimrod, but he said one of those two, I don't even think he remembered. He said he was like never going into the studio without lyrics again. Weird. Which is interesting because I, I think those are two of his best records lyrically. American Idiot's pretty good, and I guess if you think about the concept of it all, but I think when he's talking about like his life and like Billy's really good at capturing, you know, eras and people. I guess, for lack of a better word, times mm-hmm. in people's lives, um, and that's how I feel like I've or well, why I've liked them this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, American Idiot. When I listen to American Idiot, I could never really connect with it, and I guess I still can't yet. But by the time I was, I listened to Dookie then too, but by the time I think I was around like 15, 16, I revisited those records. I started to listen to Dookie. I started to listen to Kerplunk and um, 39 and Smooth. And those are like teenager records. Those Mm -hmm. are about being in high school and girls and, you know, jerking off in your room and stuff. And like, you know, that's like. still sing about. Yeah, when they're like 40. (laughs) But, you know, they, Green Day progresses, you know, as he gets to, um, this record insomniac you know he starts talking about you know having money and you know dealing with his per or people's perception of him uh getting older you know having kids uh his wife uh nimrod he talks about his you know relationship having a wife you know he's a little older i think they're about 25 on that one and you know, uh, warning kind of, I don't know. It's just about, I think there's a ton of stories on warning cause he's kind of like through with talking about himself. Yeah. I could be wrong, but it's also so hard to tell when he's speaking from personal experience or he's writing or he's painting that picture. He's great at painting pictures. You know, when I listen to it, like when I, even as a kid, I listened to their songs, American idiot. I could picture it as a movie happening. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a good storyteller. So it's hard to, really pinpoint when it's him unless he's like come out and said no this is about xyz um and you know on, on american idiot he's kind of he's talking about something you'd think a 30 year old would talk about bush you know 9 11 you know 
I don't think he would have written something so political in 94 when he was 20 or 22, you know. I don't think he would have the wherewithal to do that. He hadn't had, he hadn't seen the world like he has. He has a different perspective. He has so much more money, you know, (laughs) it's just those things that come into play where I guess when you talk about Blink still singing about jerking off, it's just Blink is just going to write about what they can write about. I don't think, I mean, they get deep sometimes, but I don't think they really pull from, you know, their personal experiences as much. Yeah. Yeah. So you think at a point, I guess it could just be kind of like looking at your own life. So maybe like Billy Joe kind of starts looking more outward. And then I guess if you get, that's kind of like where you get the more outwardly political because you're not so much thinking about your own life. Probably you could say, I guess you're kind of, you're kind of saying it maybe because he's so rich, you know, has so much money, like his own life isn't as complicated or a story. Yeah. So you kind of create a story, which he's yeah. always been, you know, good at. Um, but also that's where I start feeling like it feels less honest. Um, like it just, I like that early stuff was kind of more about him. Well, do you think every record has to be honest? Or it music has to, has to be honest? But it's, I think it has to feel honest. Hmm. You know, um but then once again, there's like so many. Well, well, I don't like. What saying... does that mean? Because I feel like uh, when people make records, they're chasing a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. So I think it all depends on the assignment. Like, what were they trying to go for in American Idiot? I don't think they were. I think they're trying to make a theatrical record. I think mm-hmm. they're trying to push themselves as songwriters and say, "Hey, we've never done this." Yeah. Green Day's always been a band. They, I don't think they revisit too much. They've never done a record like Insomniac again. They kind of did American... They tried to do American Idiot again with 21st Century Breakdown. I don't think it was as much as a success, but it was, I would say, it was pretty, it was pretty commercially successful. Yeah. I saw them on in, or not just MTV, but TV 24-7, like I never had before as a Green Day fan. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think I don't think every record kind of has to have the same assignment. Like... I bring this up every episode. Just like the idea that like a, you know, people are always like a song has to be three minutes. Like, no, it's like hard, fast rules and things like kind of bother (laughs) me. Like, I don't, it's sort of like, I I like what you said about like, what's the assignment? Yeah. You know, and then you kind of stay, that's probably more so like than honesty. It's like, did, did they succeed at the experiment that they were trying to make? Yeah. Like, it's like if you were trying to paint a certain way, which I don't need to bring it into <laughs> paintings, yeah. you know, it's like, did you succeed at it? Like, even, uh, once again, I'm going to compare something to Adam Sandler. It's like, you can't compare, you can't compare, like, the Godfather and Adam Sandler movie. You have to think about, like, what it intended to achieve. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. That's really it. Yeah. It's like, what did this intend to achieve? And yeah. so that's a better way of saying, like, honesty. Yeah, 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 and you and I agree. I feel like you guys, you and I agree because I heard the uh, the episode with Maddie, where you're talking about how when you you don't mind long songs as long yeah. as they like, I guess if they like get somewhere, yeah. or if like you're used to a band doing such, like you don't mind, you don't need a Dinosaur Junior song to be two minutes. You're yeah, I don't, cool I don't with need it being it long, too. and that's that's and I respect where... that too because I like, like yeah. I said, I got 
uh, Injustice for All 2. <laughs> so I, I like long songs. Like yeah. Metallica was my favorite band for a long time. Yeah. They've got nine minute, yeah. you know, riffage going like, on. Have so. you ever heard ACDC Live? Yeah. Like, I have that. It's like yeah. <laughs> some of the songs might be 13 minutes. I don't know why it is, but it's cool. Or a uh, song remains the same. Yeah. Days and Confused is 30 minutes. I listen to it all the way through every time. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> I'm not even like a big like Led Zeppelin guy, but like I mean, the point the point is more the point. Yeah. Like it's like so many things like break a mold. So just I, I, I I've had a friend one time that was telling me about like the bassist in CCR. Uh-huh. Like he was saying that essentially any bass player should play exactly like him. Then I was like, why? That's stupid. Like, it's like, that works for CCR, and that works for a lot of bands. Yeah. But the, just to be like, that kind of like hit with the kick, you know, kind of like every bass note kind of is in line with the kick. It's like, don't tell that to, you know, don't tell that to Mike Durant. Like, yeah. he's not hitting with every kick. Yeah, and there's what, I feel like there's two guitar players in Credence. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's he's just. He's got to fill space. Yeah, yeah. it's like. With that, he's doing he's doing more of that role. Like it's like it kind of just depends on what I guess. Well, I'll keep I'll use your thing. Like it's a, what's the assignment, you yeah. know? And I think that's like what I've gotten to a point. Even with songwriting, it's kind of like there's certain things I want to do in a song. Like I want to use a rap pedal when like Sarah's using a rap pedal, <laughs> but I can't. You know, I, yeah. we've talked about yeah. this before, but it's like yeah. you kind of gotta go. You kind of gotta go. What's gonna best serve the song? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like some days you're like, oh, but I'd, I want to have a stupid sound and pedal. <laughs> but it's like you can't. You yeah. know, it's like, so it's just kind of going back like what's the assignment? Yeah, you know? if it works. Yeah, some things work differently for other people. Yeah. You know, you know it's yeah. No doubt. Dinosaur Jr. doesn't need two songs or two, two minute long songs. Yeah. It'd be sick. <laughs> it would be cool to, to see it, them. But, yeah, know, but. But I, I don't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know what's weird about them? A lot of their songs that are like five minutes, six minutes, I don't think they're long enough. Just yeah. because they're so chorus heavy that you like want to hear more of it. Yeah. They're, I think their choruses are underrated. Yeah. Yeah, like you never see, you never see anyone cover Dinosaur Jr. Ah, but you do. Uh, that band Anxious did. On their summer ah. promo, but that's the only one. That's the only time I've like seen a band like big up Dinosaur Junior. Everyone likes Dinosaur Junior, but like, there's a I've there's a select few of people that I've like seen be like, yeah, I love Dinosaur Junior. Yeah, but I think that people when or, they like, try, try if to they try and go that lane, if they try and I mean I've never done it, you know, so whatever. I'm in the same boat. But I think a lot of times when people hear Dinosaur Jr., they think that they have to approach it the same way, and you'll never be Jay Maskus. Yeah. So it's like there's there is a song underneath there. Going back to what you said with the choruses, that I think yeah. like people aren't appreciating enough. Yeah. The song underneath all of his soloing, still a really good song. Yeah. You, know? you can and play it on acoustic guitar. You could. That's yeah. the point. And that kind of brings me back. Uh, I want to get wherever we are right now, but. Thinking about Billy Joe going into the studio without lyrics, like, baffles the shit out of me. Because yeah. they always, every Green Day song, it makes me think of, people will compare them, but I don't know if they compare them enough. Like, 
it really does like Green Day, especially in this time frame, even earlier, they really sound like the perfect mix between replacements and Husker Do. Those are yeah. their two biggest yeah. influences. I, they sound exactly like a teenage version of the intersection. Yeah, yeah. that's what they are. That that's, is what, yeah. Yeah, that's what and, they're going for. And so I can't imagine either of those bands having a song that they kind of jammed on. Like with like Bob Mould, it's sort of like I envision him sitting down and writing a song. Yeah. And then they'll show it to everyone. And like Grant doing the same thing. I would have assumed that... I feel like I can hear every Billy Joe song, him basically playing it by himself. Yeah. I and mean, almost, he does that. He yeah. Does and that I know he's not, but like yeah. to think about like him not having like either full lyrics or maybe they weren't, maybe he means like they weren't fleshed out enough. Yeah. That's really surprising. He's me. hard on himself. Like, well, yeah. I mean, that comes across in the music, but I was watching, uh, I was watching, I watched like three interviews last night. <laughs> Just, uh, um, get an idea of like where they were at, but I think, yeah, this was 95. He said, he talked about the Woodstock performance and he was just like, yeah, we weren't really good. But I, that's like one of my favorite performances from them. And I think they're, they're kind of on for being covered in mud. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're just a super tight band. I think they always have been. They've always been kind of like, go, like, take no prisoners, kill it, like, not a note off. I mean, he still sounds the same today. You know, they, they've, uh, They've never done it with this record, but I thought it was really cool how they, they're so big. They can play their regular set and during like halfway through the set they were playing, Flag comes down, it's the Dookie cover and he's just like, we're going to play Dookie from front to back. And it sounds just like the record, maybe a little better at times. Yeah. Um, And it's just like that type of musicianship. They can do stuff like that. And they're kind of mm. just like, I get the idea. I get where they're coming from when they're like playing and you know, maybe how they operate in the studio. I feel like they probably want everything together when they're there. Mm. I don't, I feel like they, at this time of maybe even if they didn't fuck around in the studio. I don't know. I've seen the, uh, I've seen the Quattro documentary and I've seen the American idiot, you know, documentary, but I don't know. That's later on. So I don't really know if back then they were, like the type to fuck around in the studio, you know. I don't know mm-hmm. if they like would go in without a record. I feel like they're the type of people who write their music and have something to bring to the studio. I think they just like to record. They definitely um, experiment a lot, and that's probably gone back to like the the first few EPs. Um, as far as like production, you know, they add texture to their songs with acoustic guitars, they yeah, use yeah. tambourines and percussion but yeah i feel like these songs are very much i don't know how much rob cavallo adds to the mix i feel like they know what they want and they kind of have the vision set in place by the time they're you know getting there yeah yeah like i think like when i think about like i could imagine that you could take i don't think this should happen ever at all but you could take billy joe away from you know trey and mike and put them with another backing band, and the song still exists. You know, like it's just it feels like like he's he is the songwriter. You know, well, uh, it feels. Like. I, I I see where that I see where you come from, but I think a lot of the the feel is in Mike and Trey. Okay. Their rhythm section. I mean, Green Day is a pretty rhythm he- uh, yeah, section yeah. heavy band. If you think about it, uh, they add their own. I don't know. 
Mike, uh, sorry. Ugh, I'm getting a brain for it. Billy plays drums, and he play, but I don't think he can play drums like Trey. Like Trey yeah. has a certain yeah. swing and feel to, I don't know, his grooves and the fills he chooses. I don't think Billy has much to do with that. Mm-hmm. I know that Billy just kind of makes a scratch track. He's like, hey, I kind of want this type of beat, this tempo, and he kind of just like gives it to Trey, and Trey does whatever he wants over it. So, I don't know. The songs, like, you ever hear, like, the Demolicious? It's honestly some nerdy shit. <laughs> no. It's just like... I, the, I know what you're talking about, yeah. but I will not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The songs sound... They're, they're just Billy, because he records at home. So, you can get an idea of, like, what those songs are mm-hmm. without a little bit of Mike and Trey input, but it's a little flat no i think well yeah and it's like that's where i say like i don't think it should happen but i feel like they can there's certain bands where it's like i don't know if it can exist outside of the way it's presented and i think and i guess there's proof of with demolicious like it can exist without them is it better served with trey and mike of course like without a doubt but it's like i guess what i'm saying is really it's i i think Oddly enough, I think of Billy Joe as a singer-songwriter in a way. Yeah. You know, like, I don't. Billy Joe doesn't want to present himself that way, but it's like, it can exist that way. Yeah. Man. He has other projects. Um, I'm forgetting what they're called right now, but yeah. Well, like, what, Pinhead Gunpowder and... Uh... Beats me. There's a, a new one that was on Instagram. I don't know. They had an Instagram page and... Uh, oh, Foxborough Hot Tubs. I think that's one? Trey. Okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's where yeah, I'm really yeah. not. Yeah, I, I, I don't really, a... I don't get into the side projects, but I, I know of them. Yeah. 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 But that also makes me, do you, okay, so what do you think then, I guess switching back to Blink-22 is just the kind of contrast. Did you ever get into like Plus 44 no. Or did you ever get into, like, Boxcar Racer? No, but I have friends that love that yeah. stuff. So I've heard it. But I, yeah. I got into Blink pretty late. Like, I didn't start listening to Blink until I was about 17. And that was just so I could, like, learn those songs to jam with other people. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I would never, like, dig in. I love Blink. You know, I, I don't really go past self-titled but um, or Toy Patch, really. Uh, but, uh I don't really listen to their side projects. Like I don't listen to Boxcar Racer. Uh, Boxcar Racer, and I don't listen to Plus Forty Four. I don't. I don't think Travis. Oh, um, that, what was that band that Travis had? Like not Zebrahead, is that? No, no. it's um, uh, it's another. It's like Fedora Core. Okay, it's got to be something really bad, uh, but like. It'll come to me. Uh, just blurt it out if you think of it. Um, yeah. What I'm, what I guess, what I'm trying to get at is like I don't. I'm surprised that. I mean, I like Blink One Eighty Two. I think it's evident for as much as that I'm going back to it. But it's it surprises me that Blink One Eighty Two seems to be the touchstone band that people in I'll say our friend group, and that's an extended thing. But I feel like consciously right now people are like. Blink one eighty two everything and I don't, Green Day doesn't get that right now. They're more of a joke to people. Yeah, I don't think Green Day gets the. Uh, the yeah, there's like a Blink revival. I don't think they get the same admiration. 
that Blink does right now, but who knows? It could change. Um, the band I was thinking of was Transplants. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what I did from that is... Uh, Tim think, Armstrong. Yeah, Tim Armstrong. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Lars Fredrickson, that's not right. I think that's... Tim Armstrong and Billy Joe Armstrong have a record together. That, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. Is that the Armstrongs? I yes. That... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever get into Rancid? I listened to them on Pandora when they came on, like, the punk station, but yeah. no, not too, not, not really, yeah. Yeah, that's another band that never really clicked for me, but I see so many people, like, ride super hard for them, and... You know, yeah. when we're, and now that I'm thinking about that, okay, so, I feel like Green Day's a little, well, Green Day toured with Rancid, so... Well, they definitely, you know. geographically, they have... You know, kind of the same things they came out of. You know, uh, is like, Rancid from California? Yeah, from. Okay. I mean, it was. Uh, so really, Brooklyn. the Operation Ivy connection, because um, that's what Tim Armstrong was in. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely a East Bay band. Yeah. Like, um, I I don't know where everyone in Rancid lives now. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter. I guess now Phoenix. they just fly to where. Yeah. Where <laughs> that's they need where they to all be. go. Yeah, Phoenix. and uh, yeah, like even old hardcore guys seem yeah. to end up. I think like. Uh, uh yeah dudes from agnostic front like live in yeah yeah stigma i saw a documentary yeah Yeah, it's like i don't know why old punk and hardcore dudes end up there it's uh is it like it's a a little it's a little punk i guess it's uh, barren and i don't know Uh, it's It's like a punk it's like a punk gang uh commune place or something like yeah i don't i don't know what it is um yeah, but that whole like East Bay connection, we could you know like stuff like Fifteen, Crimp Shine, Shrine, um, like all of those kind of East Bay bands. Uh, even like Sam I Am came out of the East Bay scene. Um, yeah, Trey was in Sam I Am for a little bit. Yeah, well, I think yeah. when they were potentially when they were actually Sam I Am, but before that they were called Isocracy. Yeah. Um, so that's like, but yeah, it's cool. Like that whole time frame. You know, it's weird. Uh, when you think about, like, music now, you would think, like, a lot of those bands would get some more respect. Um, even Green Day. Like, I feel like Green Day sounds like a lot of the bands today that are, you know, popular. And um, Husker Du, too. Yeah. I f- Husker It's weird that Husker Du doesn't get the, you know, respect like that. Well, I mean, they do, but, like, no one looks back and says, oh, like... I'm referencing Husker Du for my band. You know what I mean? Whereas I feel like they have that template, whereas all these bands kind of pick from, unknowingly. Well, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of that, I always feel the same way, but I think the the answer is that a lot of the SST stuff just kind of has like kind of bad recordings. So it's just, I think it's a barrier to entry with a lot of younger well, people. Well, they signed to a major too. Yeah. See, that was eighty six, maybe eighty five. Yeah. Well, let's flip your wig on SST. Flip your wigs on SST. Okay, uh, so eighty six. Candy Apple Gray is the Warner Bros. First. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's eighty six. They signed to a major. Did they ever get shit for that? Um, I, th- I don't think as much. But I mean, I I do feel like sometimes, like if you're talking to like. 
well, and older mm-hmm. had people will always be like uh, people that do like Husker Du seem to cut them off at a certain point. Like older people that like them. Okay, like, so, so, it so could they kind of apple gray. Yeah, there are a lot maybe. of people that ride hard for them that might be more like first generation Husker Du fans or second whatever. Um, definitely don't seem to like Candy Apple Gray, but I, lo- I love that record. You know, That's so funny because those records come out in such a short time span. It's like, how how are you off them in two years? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think in hindsight, it's like, kind of going back to what we were talking about in the beginning, like I think of people, if people could have a little bit more like, I don't know, foresight, hindsight, whatever fits the thing, it's like, to sort of just kind of claim one thing as a sellout versus another thing, I don't know. Like people don't yeah, think about it. I felt much. like sellout. I've always thought sellout meant that you're doing things you don't want to to make money. But Green Day has always kind of done what they've wanted to since Dookie. You know, they signed to the major that they wanted. They got the deal they wanted. You know, they still, they're a band today. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're still making money off these records. Um, they've, each record along the way, they've kind of, you know, call it a misstep. They wanted to do it and it maybe helped. I don't, you know, they're still a band. So I don't think anything they've done has hurt their career, but they do it. They don't give a fuck. They do whatever. Yeah. So. Like it's. I don't, I don't know. It seems so stupid to me. Like, it would... Like, I don't know. I don't know what would constitute something. Like, I think it really would take... Like, if you actively say you're not going to do something, and then you do it, then I can understand. But at some point, it's like... Like, I'm thinking of, like, 50-year-old dudes I know that seem to still have an issue with, like, Jawbreaker. And I'm like, get over it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like dudes in their forties, Jesus Christ, like, seem to just still hate like dear you, Damn. and I'm like, you've had like three kids, like just get over it. You know, I love that point, record. You know, but like, and it's also uh, one thing I'm thinking of. Uh, I guess, I guess as we're, I feel like we're kind of wrapping it up. Um, think about like that tour. The it's like Bad Religion, Green Day, and Seaweed. Yeah. So at that point, Green Day was build under bad religion which i think it would easily flip now yeah um like seaweed was signed to a major label and they didn't get shit for it were they on a major label by 93 was four they might not have been at that point but they got to hollywood records see they were on spanaway yeah yeah they spanaway was the hollywood records album but i think yeah four might have come out on sub pop but i guess sub pop in 93 was pretty i guess pretty big i mean they don't have nirvana anymore but they're they're known so that's what also gets kind of silly the idea that signing to a major when like sub pop is distributed and essentially linked with like major labels what's the difference because you could get sub pop stuff essentially dumb. in That's the same the way. marketing budgets were probably different but are you just mad at marketing budgets like you know it's like no punk is thinking about it that much they just go sst good yeah whatever. people are dumb they, they like to look at things from face value yeah. i me included i'm the same yeah. way but yeah. Um I was I listened to a podcast with Aaron from Seaweed and he talked about that tour and he said that basically uh, Dookie had come out on that tour. 
Mm-hmm. So they had blown up kind of in the middle of it. They like he explained how he started to see how big they were getting and how they were kind of getting too big for that tour by the end of it. And I guess by the end of it, they never did a tour that like small ever. Yeah. So that could, you know, make sense as to why they're second on that bill. But yeah, yeah no, I would. Yeah, it's kind of uh, weird to think rancid. Yeah, when you think of Green Day now, outside of like that tour they were supposed to do before COVID, it was like the tour now was like Weezer, Fall Out Boy, Green Day, not in that order. I don't yeah. know. That's why I don't know who's headlining or. It's probably going to switch around yeah. every night. But like, yeah, I can't, I almost can't imagine when I think of Green Day, it's like Iron Maiden. It's like, yeah. it's like Iron Maiden is just Iron Maiden's tour. Yeah. You know, you'll find it, oh shit, Ghost is opening. But you know, it's so, like Iron like Maiden. Like Metallica, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like, oh, Metallica. You know, yeah. there probably is some, there is probably some band opening, but you don't know They tour by themselves. It's yeah. fucked. Yeah. But if, they, if there's a band opening, you just don't yeah. know and you show up and you're like, oh shit, it's maybe a cool band, but it's not marketed that way. Yeah. It's a Green Day tour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Um, and I think every night, I feel like they just get semi big bands in that like or vicinity of the town to play. Yeah. Like, um, I, I've heard about that band. Uh, I might get it wrong. Either Stick Up Kid or yeah, Stick Up Kid. They opened for Green Day, but they're like they're a semi big band. You yeah. Know? Not to Green Day, but no, yeah, Green exactly. Day, but band. yeah, yeah, just like just <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, so it's you like wouldn't... when uh, like Waves played with Green Day. And yeah, like oh, Best a band Coast like played, Waves. But, yeah. but it's like to. I mean, I know Green Day probably has more self awareness than this, but it but it feels like it's like oh, we'll let this local band Best Coast play with us on this leg of the tour to them. You know what? I, okay, what I like about Green Day is they kind of have their ears to the streets when yeah. it comes to you know newer rock music. Um, they were doing this thing for a while, which is like, I don't know, pretty weird to think about. They were letting like young punk bands from Gilman like open their shows, like their mm. arena shows. So I've seen videos where there's like little ass kids just on giant stages, like fearing for their lives, like playing yeah. backwards. That's, I mean, it's probably sick, but. Yeah, that's also, also like... where I think a lot of records kind of change. And I think we. we like American Idiot probably sounds really good on a big stage. It's it feels like it's yeah. like made for that. Like thinking about like Def Arena Leppard rock. songs. Like yeah. Like Def Leppard, I feel like knew how to write songs for that size of a stage. So there's a point of a band's career when they get that big, that I feel like they start writing for that. But it's not like they're going let's write for arenas. They go, this song falls flat if we play it on this big of a stage. So you start writing towards that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I hear Pyro on the American Idiot album just because yeah. I've seen so many like live performances. So yeah, no, that's that. You're right. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, do you? As we wrap up, do you have any? Thing else to add? Any other like tidbits or facts that you feel like people need to know? Or um, I I think this record is incredible, and uh, if you haven't listened to it, you should because it's better than Dookie. Oh wow! Bold opinion. statement. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on, and you know I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Welcome back. Thanks again to Nicholas for coming on the pod. Lots of fun doing this in person. So if you're fully vaxxed up and you live in Charlotte, let's figure out how to do these safely. Next week, 
is a big one. We're chatting with Pat Flynn of the band Fiddlehead, of course, also of Have Heart and Sweet Jesus. Super excited. We talked about Embrace's debut and only released from 1987. If you're not familiar with Embrace, it's Ian McKay's short-lived band in between Minor Threat and Fugazi. The band also featured members of SOA and The Faith, two other underrated DC bands. Please listen to the self-titled album for next time. Before I let you go, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It's at SpinningOutPod. Rate, review, and subscribe. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. The usual stuff. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing and producing the pod. Thanks as well, Pretty Maddie, for the theme. All right. See you next week. <laughs>